Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Album 5, Track 2. Sooner or Later. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Good for you. That yeah. is not really always the case for me. But I, um, in the ultimate case, it is true. Well, you're married to a wonderful man, so yes. You, and I did, did wait for him for a did, long time. Did. Yeah, I was gonna say you've got a you've got a better sense of the of the long game than yeah. You you give yourself I took credit me for eleven. Oh, no, eleven, twelve, thirteen years to wear him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the worst one was um, I had a, a young man uh, in my 20s who rejected me and then uh, a few years later he was in love with somebody he had a crush on a guy and so then I slept with that guy <gasps> to get him back for rejecting me Mark sooner or later is one of my favorites. Classic. This is a classic Madonna moment and a classic Stephen Sondheim moment. It's, uh, it's iconic. I and we never say that. I hate that word. I'm getting sick of everyone saying everything's iconic. You know what? Ariana Grande is an iconic. I'm just saying. So um, when it was announced that Madonna and Stephen Sondheim were working together, I was 14 years old and I lost my shit. <laughs> Because at 14, I was so obsessed with Stephen Sondheim. Everyone who is listening who knows me from that era, obsessed. I knew every lyric to every Stephen Sondheim show, every Stephen Sondheim show. And all of the cut songs, I knew every, I was such a little faggot. And I was so excited that Madonna, my favorite singer, was going to be collaborating with my favorite musical theater writer, Stephen Sondheim. And the results are Oscar winning. Um, back in the day, uh, Stephen Sondheim uh, befriended Warren Beatty in the 70s. And uh, Warren Beatty asked him to score the um, uh, his film Reds. And uh, Stephen Sondheim couldn't do that, but he did write, write a, a theme for that song, that album, that movie called Goodbye for Now, which is a beautiful song that kind of is the love theme of Reds. Um, but he owed Warren Beatty a favor and Warren Beatty called him in on it for the Dick Tracy songs. And Sondheim wound up writing, he wrote four songs for Dick Tracy. And then um, Madonna had written a song that they were going to use in the film to try and get her an Oscar nomination called Back in Business, which we will discuss later. Um, and they hated it. And so they asked Stephen Sondheim to write another song called Back in Business for the same sequence. And he wrote the fifth song. Um, and those songs, Live Alone and Like It and Back in Business, have been done 
um, by all kinds of cabaret people. Liza Minnelli sang uh, Live Alone and Like It at Radio City Music Hall in 1992. And she did Back in Business famously with Billy Stritch um, that same year at the Carnegie Hall celebration to Stephen Sondheim, which she tap-danced on a piano. Those are really um, definitive versions of the of the those two songs. The other three songs are on Madonna's record and are Madonna are the I'm breath the Breathless Mahoney songs. And sooner or later, has basically there are three different versions of it. There's the version that's on the Oscars, and then there are these two versions of it in the film. Um, Madonna sings it very simply early on in the movie when you meet Breathless Mahoney. She's in this kind of like weird dress and she's basically whispering the song. And then once uh, big boy Caprice takes over and kind of uh, takes over the, the, the casino and everything, she's then decked out in this like sparkly, gorgeous dress. Her hair is fabulous. And she's singing the belty, bluesy version that's on the album. Um, and th- this was produced by uh, Madonna and Bill Bottrell. Um, Madonna really was uh, very thrown by Sondheim. She relished the challenge of learning the lyrics and the music um, because Sondheim, uh, he rarely repeats anything. Everything has a psychological purpose in the songs. So um, even the choruses of Sooner or Later, they're just note by note different to kind of get you to a new place. And I think Madonna really struggled to like get all that right, but did. I, um, I adore this song and I think it, it's a torch song. It's a ballad. It's a vampy. It moves things along. Um, And the lyrics, while fitting Breathless Mahoney, also play into Madonna's role in the culture at this time is kind of a sassy, vampy temptress. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to think about because it, it is sort of like, yes, it's sort of like, oh, we always knew she had this part of her that was like, I will get my man, I will get you no matter what, you can't, you know, but this is also the same theme from open your heart or, mm. you know, I'm going to make you love me. You're coming to me. I, I don't have to do anything sooner or later. You're going to, it's going to happen. So yeah. don't even try to resist. And, and it's connected to open your heart in that she's using that gorgeous smoky lower register a lot yes. in this song. There's lots of the, of the deeper version. I also adore the way that it's um, orchestrated and arranged. It's so simple it's just piano, it's a spare drum, it's a bass, and it's those horns, and that's it. It's like a combo. Baby, it's time, so I waste it in chatter.
there's something just gorgeous and and broadway about these songs um and and the the sondheim songs in the show um besides the fact that they're written by Stephen sondheim um and he's at a weird place in his life. He's making, he he was writing the musical Assassins. He had um, just come off of Into the Woods, his big hit musical Into the Woods. And he was working with Rob Reiner on a musical called Singing Out Loud that was supposed to be a movie musical. It was a, it was a musical movie, that, an original movie musical that he had written songs for that never got made. And... Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a really transitional time for Sondheim, and these are very ninety early late eighties early nineties Stephen Sondheim songs. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say that these these three songs are not his greatest. No, right? no, um, and that he wasn't even trying because it was for this pop star, or he had mm-hmm. to dumb it down for her, or you know, but. I do think this and more, which I can't wait to talk about later, um, at least for me, stand the test of time. Like I can listen to these songs over and over again. And they're just the, they're just enough Sondheim for me because unlike you, I do like Sondheim, but I am not obsessed with Sondheim. And often I can find him annoying and a little too smart for me. Do you know what well, I mean? Like, I have a couple of rebutes. First of all, I think the songs- What's a rebut? Well, I'm, I just have a couple rebuttals. I have a couple rebuttals. First <laughs> of all, I don't think he dumbs himself down um, because these songs have been performed by all kinds of people over the years, these three songs. And you know what? They sound amazing when those people do them. I don't think he was dumbing down his work. And I think she really tried hard to do them. And I also think that the the combination of Stephen Sondheim and Madonna gave him a contemporariness, much like Warren Beatty needed at this time as well. Yes. She kind of makes Broadway, because remember, children of the podcast like the the thing that's interesting is is like broadway wasn't cool kids weren't like tweening out over broadway at this point and i think having madonna sing three of your songs could not have not been lost on the producers and stephen sondheim and stuff that you know this could could do something for you well it wasn't lost yeah it wasn't lost on madonna either she she knew as she does always and she's you know she said in an interview like you know all of my fans don't know who warren Beatty is do you know what i mean and all my fans don't know who sondheim is um and the way she does with all sorts of people throughout her musical career where like we've said, to, you know, like, oh, the only reason I know this artist is because they played on a Madonna track or they produced this single, you know. Indeed. And, and so this is another way she's just shedding light on something or expanding, you know. And for her, then it's also like another feather in her cap. And I will say that I, I'm always, I always kind of bristle at this kind of like, you know, dismissiveness of Madonna doing these Broadway songs. Because also when box sets of Sondheim stuff comes out and Andrew Lloyd Webber as well for Evita, Madonna's always, Madonna's um, recording of songs are always included in that. How can you not? Exactly, exactly. Because in some ways, particularly I think this version of Sooner or Later is pretty definitive. I absolutely agree. I I mean, when I'm saying that he was dumbing it down, I don't mean that the song is not good. In fact, I think the song is is amazing. And I think she is amazing in the song. I love her voice in this song too. I think it's like another, it's like when, when Madonna talks about being an actor, 
um, this is a song where I feel like I can see her full potential. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because she and really it, plays it. She plays it. And she's not, she's not Madonna. She's not Madonna. She's Breathless Mahoney. Yeah. Um, but when she does it at the Oscars. Yes. Um, what with, is that? Who is she then? Who is she? Um, so this was the 1991 Oscars. Um, Jeremy Irons won for Best Actor and kissed Madonna on his way up onto the stage because they were supposed to do a Vida at that oh, time together. Yes. Right. Um, Madonna showed up dressed like Marilyn Monroe and uh, with, with millions of dollars of jewelry on uh, and... with Michael Jackson as her date. And they yes. sat in the front row on the aisle. Um like Madonna was never as powerful in Hollywood again. <laughs> and um, and she performed uh, sooner or later, um, halfway through the, the performance. And um, she is incredible. It's one of her best live vocals ever. It is. She, not only that, but she is, it's one of her most confident performances, especially outside of her comfort zone. Do you know what I mean? And it was yeah. only her and clearly a live orchestra. And I just love, and I think this question of like, who is she in that performance is like, she's definitely Madonna. Yeah. She's not Breathless Mahoney. She's playing with the convention of this like um, idea of movie star, right? Because we say she, so she sort of looks like Marilyn Monroe, but she also looks like Lana Turner. She looks yeah. like, you know, all of them, right? I love that the the performance starts and she sings with her back to us mm. for the first verse, you know? Yeah. And then she she the whole thing is like a strip tease, right? Or yeah. it's a tease. The only part of the song I don't love that she does is when she speeds up the bridge. The end of that of her live performance, um, when she first like picks her her uh, fur coat off the floor, and then she throws it back down, and I'm gonna love you like nobody's no, you know, like, yeah, like nothing you've known. And then when she sort of like, kind of, well, she uses sort of like the burlesque, gypsy esque. Exit, you know, it's very which, let me entertain you from Gypsy. It's very, totally. yeah, I love it, and it's sort of her big fuck you to Hollywood. I thought too, like, well, and she shakes her butt at the audience. She yes. does all kinds of stuff as she goes. I mean, she grinds up against the wall, it's, like, <laughs> it's fabulous. Well, and I, so, so a couple of things. So, so, um, the the. They, she didn't have enough rehearsal time. She was a major bitch to everybody there during this oh. because she was so nervous about it. If you watch her, she is so confident and yet she's shaking. So nervous, yeah. When she's, she does the poses. Um, when she is done with the, with the fur coat throwing, she lifts her head and one of the earrings falls out and kind of gets stuck. And then she throws it. <laughs> 
This is after so Madonna. She's done, after she's done with the number, she throws it yes. down because she's so pissed that the, the earring broke off. In her close-up, she's like... Um, These things don't happen to other pop stars. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they always happen to her where, like, it's a costume or yeah. there's, like, a weird trip or there's some, like, weird thing. It's, like, part of her story is, like, watching her have this, like in performance, having watching her have these mini fuck-ups and well, then and, overcome and, them. And her appearance at the Oscars, the whole thing was a performance because that co- that, that outfit and all the diamonds and everything feel very um, unnecessary for the perf- – they're in her way to do the number, but she's – like she takes one glove off. She doesn't take the other glove off because there's a ring on it. <laughs> yeah, she so can't, she can't like t- She can't even do the striptease because <laughs> she's got one glove off that she can throw. The other one's got like a, a huge diamond ring on it. So well, this is what I'm guessing. Up. She, it was like in the moment, she's like, I'm going to take these gloves off. And then she's like, oh, fuck, I can't. Um, it's, um, but you're right. I mean, it's absolutely total performance. It's like, but it's this performance of like old Hollywood. Yeah. Right? And, and it's interesting that five years later when she does the You Must Love Me performance, it's so simple and stripped down and there's nothing. She learns right. a lesson of, of cluttering this. She doesn't come out. I mean, she comes out of the ground. That was the other thing I was going to say about the rehearsal oh, yeah. was timing the microphone stand and her to rise up out of the stage was this huge drama. Uh-huh. And so like, she was like, well, I, I think they had a micro, like a handheld microphone ready to go in case something went awry. So someone could quickly pass her a mic if right. the mic stand didn't come up at this, you know, all of the timing. Um, it's so great though. And it's so, um, it's really like the the exclamation point on this era. This and the Vogue performance at the MTV Music Awards kind of ends the this era of 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 Madonna. And I'm I totally agree. What's your favorite part of the song? Um, I love when she sings "I'm Gonna Love You Like Nothing You've yes. Known." There's this broodiness, and then she kind of jumps up to that. Sooner or later is better, but lover, I'll hover, I'll plan, and then it's this time I'm not only getting, I'm holding, and then it's that breath, my, and then that. That's that. That's always my the way that she kind of, without a lot of pyrotechnics, builds the song. There's an inevitability, just like Sondheim winning the Oscar for it. It was an inevitability. He broke his leg. He wasn't there. How did he break his leg? I don't know. I think he was like out in Connecticut in the woods and he broke his leg, but he didn't go or to the Oscar. Or was it he- in his dungeon? No, stop it. <laughs> Why? He, what um, you- but he wasn't there to thank Madonna publicly for performing her his song and winning him for the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so not fair. She's not a bigger star. She's done so much for so many. <laughs> Till next time. Bye.